Hello, this is Nick from WoW Talk, and you're listening to Watchpoint on Mash Those Buttons. Hello and welcome to Watchpoint, Mash Those Buttons' official podcast about Overwatch and its community. I am Jared, and I'm here with Jason Bond. Hello. Hi, and this is, uh, I guess this is the second part of our four-part special edition, or kind of getting started here uh, with Overwatch. Uh, would, uh, I said it in the first part, but I'll repeat it again, which the, uh, the first part, which you might have listened to, you might not have listened to if you didn't listen to it yet. It's on Attackers, so if you're interested in hearing about Attackers, uh, we have another special edition podcast for you to listen to there. Uh, but the reason why we started an Overwatch podcast is, uh, you know, we saw there were a bunch of Overwatch podcasts out there, not a whole bunch, I would say about uh, four or five that I saw. And the one thing I, I think they're missing is a uh, a perspective from the like a, the first person shooter player, like those of us who've played Unreal, Counter Strike, Team Fortress. Most of the, the the people I'm hearing on these other podcasts, they're mostly familiar with uh, Blizzard games. So you know, Warcraft. Uh, I was gonna say Dota, but not Dota. But um, Heroes of the Storm, <laughs> and. Uh, what else is out there? You know, Hearthstone, things like that, which is fine. I mean, Starcraft, you know, things like that, which, you know, there's no, I don't necessarily think there's a problem with that, but you know, I'm listening to some of the conversations and I'm just kind of like, oh, that's not, you're, you're <laughs> missing, you're misinterpreting what that character is about or why this thing is this way, why it needs to be. And I just thought it'd be, uh, be nice to have a different perspective on Overwatch stuff. I mean, we run a podcast network. Obviously, we like, you know, hearing ourselves talk. no but uh yeah so we uh you know to get things kicked off here with overwatch uh we decided to do a uh you know a four-part uh special edition that focused on each individual class the last time we did attack heroes this time we are going to be focusing on defense heroes Uh which Actually, Bond, did you get when you played? Did you get a lot of time with defense heroes, or were you mostly attack? I did. Yes, I I took a lot of time with defense heroes because you know sometimes it's just nice just to sit back and you know be a dick and just blast away at people. So I had a I had a fair bit of time with uh, with uh, May Widowmaker, especially Bastion. Bastion was a ton of fun. Uh, Hanzo, not so much. Torbjorn didn't really do it for me, but I had a lot of fun with him. We'll talk about Junkrat after, I'm sure. <laughs> Oh, definitely. And I think, uh, I, I definitely played longer than you, and I think uh, the differences between Bastion and Torbjorn, well, besides the fact that Torbjorn is a person and Bastion is a machine and becomes the gun himself, uh, I think the differences between the two, like, why would you want one over the other, mm-hmm. is pretty interesting. But, uh, you know, why don't we just get started with Junkrat? Actually, no, well, let's get started by saying, by telling what, who are the defensive characters. So, you have Junkrat, uh, Widowmaker, who's a sniper. Hanzo, who is also a sniper, but we'll get into the difference. Uh, Torbjorn, you know, he uh, has a a turret, so he's like the engineer from Team Fortress. That's, I mean, I I know Blizzard probably doesn't want us really to compare, but <laughs> I mean, that's that's basically what it, what it is. But it's it is a little different. There's May, which actually I thought May was a support character. I don't know why I thought that, but I'm, I'm thinking about it. It's like, yeah, she was in that row with the defenders, mm-hmm. and then you have Bastion, who is a sentry turret basically that can you know turn into a non-sentry turret and get a you know walk around. So 
let's start with Junkrat. I, I know you really dislike Junkrat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was really annoying going up against them. You know, it you can I see how he can be played very effectively, but I I hated it, especially hearing his uh, his ultimate rev up. That was just kind of annoying. Yeah, I think you you mentioned that last time. <laughs> yeah, so uh, one thing we did not do in the first podcast, which well, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty, that's why we're doing it this time, is actually talk about the characters and their past a little bit. Now I'm not going to get too in depth into you know the lore of each character, but. I just, you know, want to kind of talk a bit to where they're coming from. So Junkrat is from Australia. And uh, apparently in, you know, in the games world, the Australian, there was a few, there's, there was an explosion in Australia. Let's let's put it like that. (laughs) There was an Australian (laughs) in, in, in Australia and it changed the landscape of the outback. And after that, the you know, Australia became you know a harsh, irritated wasteland. Thought that's the way it was anyway, but yeah, I don't right? you know, <laughs> you know that, that that's that's what you see if you watch Mad Max, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, they have uh, funnel web spiders, so not even once. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so either way, uh, he you know he's from Australia. This event happens in Australia, and you know anybody who survived now calls themselves junkers. They scavenge. Uh, you know, round for uh, you know, parts and things like that. Uh, a, a new society has formed. And of course, it's Cutthroat mm-hmm. and Junkrat. He uh, was affected by the you know he well him like probably everybody else there was affected by the radiation, and uh, you know he's 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 fucking nuts. Yeah, <laughs> you know, pretty much. <laughs> the thing that the game says touch of madness. Uh, I think it's more than a touch, <laughs> you know. And so he turned his, uh, you know, love of explosives into an obsession. That's why all of his uh, his moves or all of his, uh, you know, basically his character is based around explosions. But we'll get around that. So he he came across a, uh, you know, a, a valuable secret, and nobody really knows what the secret was. But he was pursued by bounty hunters and gangs and opportunists because they knew it was valuable. So Junkrat actually, you know, uh, hooks up with Roadhog, another character in the uh-huh. game. And Roadhog agrees to become his bodyguard in exchange for 50-50 of the spoils whenever they sell it. So now Junkrat and Roadhog, uh, they have left the Outback and now they're on an international crime spree. That's basically <laughs> the story of Junkrat. Uh, obviously, if you want, if you want way more detail, I would, I would definitely visit uh, the Overwatch website. But that's basically the gist of Junkrat. Uh, so Junkrat, his, uh, his gun, his, well, not his gun, but his primary weapon, I should say, is a frag launcher. It launches grenades. It launches grenades that can bounce. Uh, so you can bounce them off walls, bounce them off the floor. I mean, obviously, if they strike an enemy while they're in the air, they're just going to blow up. So, And they do a lot of damage. Yep. <laughs> they do a lot of damage. I mean, you can... It is very possible to use this weapon offensively. Oh, yeah. But you definitely... I think you have to be more careful. Like, I mean, if you're going to try to use it more accurately, it's possible, but you know, you got to watch the arc of the weapons and you know, the arc of the bounce and things like that. But it it is actually a great way when you're pushing forward to clear an area. Like if you're trying to push onto a point and there's somebody there, 
you can, you know, maybe behind cover, you could be lobbing grenades over a wall. And, I mean, the person really has no option except to move. Yeah, they got to push you at that point or, you know. And, again, part of that comes into knowing your enemy as you're playing the Junkrat. So, I mean, you can reflexively switch over that character. You're like, oh, this person likes to back up a lot when you press them. And you can you can push them and mess with them. Yes, well, you can absolutely do that. Uh, but yeah, like he he can be used offensively, defensively. Obviously, he can keep he can absolutely keep somebody off of a control point, or keep them off of an of off of an objective. <laughs> I believe that's why he's you know defensive. Another reason he's defensive is because he has a concussion mine, which you can just kind of lay down, and when somebody crosses it, it doesn't automatically explode. You have to activate it. So, you know, that's a defensive move. But he can also throw that in front of him, stand on it, blow it up, and then fly. (laughs) Did you ever do that with him? Uh, No, I had more fun laying that in doorways when I did play the class. I would just lay it in doorways and wait for people to come around. And then I would try to chain it with something else just to really get that killing blow. Right. Yeah. The the concussion mine was great when you need to get to high places. Uh, Now... What you would see sometime is some people would pair it with the steel trap, and it's basically just a bear trap. You know, you, <laughs> you you step in it, you get stuck. What I would do is I'd put the steel trap down and then put the mine inside the bear trap. Now you get a notification as junk wrap when the steel trap uh, it gets activated. So whenever I see the notification, boop, just pull the trigger, <laughs> and like the person would die. I was playing on um. Oh man, I forget the name of the map. It's it's the map that's in Egypt, or at least yep. has the, the Egyptian kind of uh, yep. aesthetic. And I put it there's like this pathway. If you're on defense and you're at the last control point, there's a pathway on the far left side. And I would just put the bear trap and the mine down there over and over and over again and people would just <laughs> run around that corner get caught bow run around that corner get caught bow just and it recharges so fast it recharges really fast so it's like almost by the time you put it down and somebody you know you only have a few seconds before it's usable again well, not a few seconds but i would say it's 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 a negligible amount of time because you really don't use those the concussion button you can use in a pinch if you want to but for the most part, you use them in, in kind of like in planning, you know, like, mm-hmm. so by the time you use it, you're ready to put down another one. Now, one of the features I hated about Junkrat, you know, I mean, it's great when I'm playing them, but when I'm not playing them, it's fucking annoying. Mm-hmm. It's total mayhem, which is what happens when he dies. When he dies, he drops several live grenades and it takes about a second or two, but they explode. Junk rat players get a lot of kills with that. <laughs> Reminds me of uh, another shooter I played at one point that just sent me into a rage mode a couple of times with that. Well, Call of Duty? Oh, yeah. Oh, that yeah. was so irritating because I'd knife people all the time. I got in close. Well, and that's the thing. Like, junk rat players, like, they make a good sacrifice. Like, if they could jump into the middle of a group and then die, you know, they'll, that, that group is going to get hit by those mines unless they're all immediately, like, you know, back off. Uh-huh. So that's that's a pain in the ass. And honestly, I don't think Junkrat should be dropping those every time. I think there should be like a chance that he drops it. Right. Personally, I think there should be a chance that he drops it. That's why I didn't like him. Stay away from him. <laughs> yeah. uh, but his ultimate is called Rip Tire, which he revs up a motorized tire bomb. 
and sends it across the battlefield. And you control it while he's doing it. So on one hand, it's great because you get to control the weapon and you can, you can almost sneak around somebody while doing it. But on the other side, you're completely vulnerable. I've killed several Junkrat players <laughs> while they've been doing Riptire. So when you do Riptire, you really need to... Uh, make sure you're you're not in danger. I would also one thing about Riptire that I don't like is I think it, it has too long of a uh, of a time of a, of a of a release time, not release mm-hmm. time, but it stays active for too long. Like once you do, I think it should have a shorter time. To be honest with you, like once you do it, like you have like I don't know, a good like twenty seconds to find somebody, and the maps just aren't that large. Unless you're doing it from like your spawn, but if you do it from a reasonable location, you can find you can you can find somebody and then decide whether or not you want to kill them. Maybe <laughs> you want to go after somebody else. Like you have you have room to move around. So you think so, it's more it's too forgiving of an ability? Well, not just forgiving, but I think it just it just lasts for too long. It just, that's the thing. Like they, and the, I think the the time that you can use it just. You, it should it should be less like you know you, i think at the max 10 seconds because 10 seconds is a long time in a yeah, game it is. you know 10 seconds is a long time so i would i would just uh i would reduce that timer down but oh uh, junk rat i you know he I, I he's great like i said for pushing mm-hmm. and he's great for keeping people off of points but he's also good for stationary targets like Torbjorn and Bastion. Loppin. Oh, yeah. Uh, Now, the thing about Bastion is that we're going to get more into Bastion a little later, but as Bastion, if you pay attention and you're watching where, you know, certain things are coming from, like, let's say Farah is shooting missiles at you and, you know, uh, Junkrat may be shooting grenades at you if you pay attention as long as you don't let those grenades get behind you like you block them with your shield yep the shield absorbs it that puts you in a much better position than torbjorn where basically he's just out in the open he's his ass is out you know like he (laughs) he he has to like as torbjorn i you know you would really need to move if a smart Junkrat player is lobbing grenades or popping in and out. But you can you know, do that, though, with Torbjorn. You can't do that as easily with uh, with Bastion, because it's Bastion, it's either all or nothing. Yeah, Bastion and Bastion's uh, tra- you know, reconfiguration time yes. definitely definitely uh, is, is a factor. I So it's like getting back to uh, to the Junker here, to Junkrat, the thing that I really hated the most about his ultimate rip, rip tire there was that in some of the CQB fights, the sound was just freaking everywhere. And more often than not, you wouldn't have time to react to it. You get lucky on some straightaways and you'd be able to hit it. Thankfully, it's easily destroyed. But it's like more often than not, oh, God, I hated it because that ability seemed like it, it just popped all the time. You could reliably hear that at least being done, you know, once or twice a minute. There's some games Depend- where I could literally have that thing come at me once or twice a minute, and it would get right in the way of my shit when I'm trying to do something. It depends on how many Junkrat plays there are, but in terms of the directional audio, it worked well for me. Like, whenever it, I, I would hear it start up, and I'm like, okay, it's coming. And I would have a very, <laughs> very good idea of how far away it was from me and what direction it was coming from. It was like the, the London-type map there a couple of times. Once we're pushing, we're getting ready to hit up that last objective. You got like a bunch of apartments and stuff and alleyways you're in. You like you couldn't tell where that thing was coming from. I'd be like, oh, shit, nah. I hear it, I hear it, I hear it. Oh, 
oh fuck, it's coming from this I way. I disagree. Instead. I was I was definitely able to tell which direction it was coming from. Mm. I was because you know when you're in that initial alley, there's three. There's essentially three ways they can get you. They can come right over the top of that fr- that building that's right in front of you. Mm-hmm. They can come uh, from the right side, or there's a you know they can follow the main path and come from the left. And there's actually two paths there that split up. And I was able to tell like where it was I never, you know I never was surprised by a rip tire. I don't know. You may want to check your sound card. <laughs> like I, I was never surprised by a rip tire because I once I hear it, I'm very aware it's on the way. I try to fight off or kill whoever I'm trying to kill, and then I get the fuck out of there. Yeah, more often than not, that was my strategy. Whenever I heard that, it was like, all right, time to get up high. Time to yeah, get up high, and get much. out of the way. Yeah, but uh, yeah, like junk rat. I, I he is one of my favorites to use against a stationary turret, even more so than let's say a Farah, because you know you can pop in and out, and you don't have to really stay in view. You can just mm. keep popping them over, and like you reload so fast, which is the one thing I think maybe I'm not saying I, it doesn't need a serious nerf. We're talking like you know half a second here. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it needs a, a little bit more of a, of a reload time because it's so easy for him to just like pop it back in, or at least have him, you know, put the fucking mines into the thing <laughs> itself. Yep. Uh, because yeah, it's it's so fast. You could just you could just spam the shit out of somebody with him, mm. and it's only because the game is so balanced, is as balanced as it is that I, I think it's not out of control. I just think it just needs a tweak. Right. You know, but yeah, I've definitely was able to get Bastions to move because I, I find a way to bounce a grenade behind them. Or, you know, to, I am able to push Torbjorn away from his turret because, you know, uh, he just can't do anything. He can't kill me and he can't stop the, the, the grenades from coming. So it's really, uh, I, I like Junkrat as a character, but he's not invincible. To say the least, <laughs> mm-hmm. but he like on defense, he's not my go-to. My go-to is actually Widowmaker. Uh, I would agree. My, my and that's me. And I, honestly, Widowmaker was the first character I went to on attack or defense simply because she's a sniper, and yeah. that's what I really, really enjoyed playing in Team Fortress Two. Uh, is the sniper, but there are major differences. I'm gonna get to that. Uh, but her backstory is a little different. Uh, Widowmaker's real name is like is is, is Emily, I believe. I, it's a French name. Yeah, Emily. Yeah. So that that's her actual name. Good good job, Bond. I don't yeah. know how to pronounce that. I'm terrible with pronunciations. <laughs> um. So that that was her real name, and she was actually the wife of an Overwatch agent. There was this organization, Talon, that was trying to kill her husband. His, his name was Gerard, and these failed several times. So they switched the focus to her, who she, you know, they kidnapped her, and they broke her will, and they reprogrammed her as a sleeper agent. So later on, she was found by Overwatch. She seemed okay. Two weeks later, she killed Gerard in her sleep, and then returned back to Talon. Now she's pretty much their best agent. Uh And she was brainwashed. So she used to be good, was turned bad, killed her husband, and that's how we get Widowmaker. Cold-blooded. Cold-blooded. That's actually why she's blue now. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. So, uh, yeah, so Widowmaker, she has a sniper rifle. It's called Widow's Kiss. Obviously, it's a sniper rifle. Uh, it's just a sniper. <laughs> it does have a charge time. 
Oh, so you mean you can fire it right away, but if you just if you're aimed down the scope, it'll you'll see a little charge timer, which only takes about two seconds to hit 100%. So, but depending on who you're shooting will determine how effective that is. If you're shooting any Zenyatta. normal character, I'll say yes. Yeah, well, Zenyatta, uh, Junkrat, mm-hmm. Soldier 76, Farah. If you shoot any of them in the head. With a 100% charge, they will die. Okay. Yeah, they will. (laughs) (laughs) They will die. But if you shoot them with less than 100% charge, there's no guarantee. I think Junkrat, I mean, because, you know, he has no, you know, zero armor or anything like that. Uh, Junkrat and Zenyatta, it doesn't matter where you hit them. If you hit them anywhere with a full charge, they will go down. No, that's not true. I I can attest to plenty of times I've hit Zenyatta with a full charge and I've knocked him out in one hit. That's when they've been by themselves. So I was like, I knew they weren't in the fray and they weren't getting hit already. Plus, I play Zenyatta a lot. What are you talking about? In a body shot? I have no. I like as mm-hmm. Zenyatta, I've been hit shot by a sniper and not died. Like oh. I've I've gotten damaged, like seriously damaged, but I've been hit by a sniper and not died because it wasn't a headshot. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe I, I've, I've also body shot like a Zenyatta uh, and a Junkrat. Could have had a shield up on him. No. Mm. And, 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 and on top of that, I'm talking about like me. <laughs> like when it was me, like, I'm yeah. getting shot by like a Widowmaker. And uh, no. Like, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, anything. It, it, right. Because you're not the only person who's complained about that. There's been several people can, that can, have complained about Widowmaker one-shot kills to the body, and that might just be a problem with the game. I'm pretty sure it's not supposed to play like that. Yeah, I don't want to get one-shot when I'm playing Zenyatta. I need a second to run away. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've body Because th- that's the thing. Like, Zenyatta and, like, Widowmaker and Junkrat, like, they all kind of... Well, not Zenyatta, but, like, you know, they all, they're all, they uh, all you know, armorless. You know, they don't mm-hmm. look like they have any armor on them. And you can body shot another Widowmaker at 100% and not kill her. Right. You know, so I, I don't think that's the way it, it's intended. But in terms of headshots, that's a different story. Right. I've had headshots on Junkrat and Zenyatta and Widowmakers that were not at 100%. And I, I got the kill. But that's different because that's a headshot. Right. And then again, I don't necessarily know if that's supposed to happen because... I guess it takes two seconds for the for the for the uh, sniper rifle to charge, right? To get a headshot within the first two seconds of <laughs> of 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 zooming into your scope, most people can't do that. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying I do that shit all the time. I don't, <laughs> you know. But that snap shooting, like that snap shooting that you know players like me or you or more experienced first person shooter players get. From games like Counter Strike, Call of Duty, <laughs> things like that. That's where that comes in. That's a that's, lot. that's years of cultivated, you know, one shot, you know, one shot op sniping. <laughs> yes, like, and that that's not something that I think a large part of the player base has. So it might not even be something that Blizzard has really looked into. To be perfectly honest with you, uh, but yeah, Widowmaker. 100% charge on regular characters, you're almost guaranteed to get the one-shot kill on the headshot. If you're doing now with tanks, 
uh-huh. and uh, some of the lar- other larger characters, that's a different story. Uh, with a tank, sometimes it, it really. If I think it only takes like I don't know, maybe a third on headshot. Um, yeah, typically it's always a mixed bag. I'm I'm always very weary when playing as uh, Widowmaker is taking on tanks, even when I know because they're slow moving generally, unless you're you know Reinhardt or something. But it's like more often than not, it's it is really difficult to get those freaking kills with them. I can't tell you how many times I've been like, all right, this guy's in the middle of something. I'm going to go and pop a headshot off him. And then I'm like, oh, fuck, it didn't work. I got two off, still didn't work. You know, sometimes you get the three, but eh. That's true. Yeah, and that's that. Don't get me wrong. I don't expect for a sniper to, well, for a tank to easily be taken down. Right. But at the same time, I think a fully charged headshot should take at least 60% of their health. They know they've been in a fight when you hit them with that. They certainly do. There's no denying that. I I didn't really play the tanks enough to really go and judge that from their perspective, but uh, I think when the uh, when the beta comes back out, we can definitely test that. Yeah, I mean, the only reason I think that Blizzard may have decided not to do that is because out of all the characters, the tanks have the biggest heads, and they are the slowest moving. Fat heads. Yeah, so it's <laughs> it is easier to get a headshot. Most of the time. Now, I think some move a little faster. Not just move a little faster, but the way they move makes it a little harder to get a headshot on them. Mm-hmm. Like, Winston has a big head, right? But because of how he moves, the way his head bounces, mm-hmm. it's a little bit It's a little bit more difficult to do. It's yeah. a little bit more difficult to headshot him. Not to mention, if he does get headshotted, and let's say they did my 60% damage thing that I was talking about... Uh, Let's see, let's see, he does get headshot. He can instantaneously put down a shield and protect himself. Yep. So now I either have to wait for the shield to go down, I can try to break the shield, uh, or I can just move on to the next target. And to be honest with you, as a sniper, I'm just going to move on to the next target. Yep. Because even at that point, too, it's like all of the tanks, I think, have some sort of ability to really go and counter that because Reinhardt's got a shield. Junkrat, or not Junkrat, uh, Roadhog has that dick move he can do where he'll, you know, pull the chain basically and grip you. Yeah. So it's like, I think, well, and uh, not only does uh, Winston have the shield, but he also has the jumping ability. Yes, he does. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, Reinhardt and Winston would definitely be okay with that. Uh, actually, shit, a D.Va would be okay. D.Va has ridiculous health. Because <laughs> like, when you shoot, like, if, you, if I was to shoot a D.Va, and I guess that's another thing about D.Va, she really doesn't have a head when she's in the uh yeah, Dude, that's a big bowl of nope right there. I just try to avoid D.Va whenever I can, especially as a Widowmaker. <laughs> yeah, like, that's that's just one class that that wouldn't work, you know? Yep. Uh, and, yeah, like, D.Va doesn't necessarily have a head when when she's in the machine. Uh, but other tanks, yeah, I think... Other tanks, like, I'm trying to think, like, who would really have a problem? With that, maybe Zayara, uh, Zarya. Mm. I rarely see people play her anyway. Right. But I don't necessarily. I don't know if she has a. Uh, oh no, she does have a, a, a particle barrier. Hmm. So she can even she can like block. She so it does so it's not a, like an immediate bow and then another shot. Yeah, that's interesting. I tried picking the character up, but uh, it didn't go very far at that point with her. Yeah, I'm not a big fan. I'll play with her, but this is not tank. Right, this right, is defense. Right, right. We'll, 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 we'll get to that next time. Um, one thing I do, one thing about Widowmaker, though, 
and this might sound weird coming from me as a Widowmaker player, I think they should re- uh, the increase the charge time. Hmm. I think the charge time should be increased to at least three seconds. What was the charge timer on uh, the sniper from uh, TF2? Because I used that one rifle that he had. That was pretty much the only rifle I used because I liked the charge. It was usually, well, that's the thing. In TF2, I think it was about five seconds to get a full charge. But the thing, also the thing about the sniper in Team Fortress, much stronger. And the heads were larger on Team Fortress. It is easier to get a headshot on Team Fortress than it is in Overwatch. I think it's usually due to speed, though, because I didn't really have that many problems getting the headshots. It depended on the speed. Well, of course, it depended on the speed in the person, but in... In Team Fortress, I mean, I I can... It doesn't... If you're you're a scout, I can still pluck you out the air. Boink. Yeah, like, it's it's because the head, the way the heads are, like, the the necks are a little bit longer, Mm -hmm. and the heads sit on top of the neck, so it's it's easy to... to identify, you know, the target, which is the head, and pop them off. With Overwatch, the bodies are usually a bit bigger, mm-hmm. or it's just it's just proportionate. The head is proportionate to the body, uh, and the the distance that you typically have to be at in Overwatch is actually I feel a little bit farther than Team Fortress, specifically for Widowmaker. And that's one thing I was going to get into because. The, one of the main differences for those who think that Overwatch is Team Fortress 3, mm-hmm. one of the big differences between Widowmaker and the sniper from Team Fortress is that as a Team Fortress sniper, if my team is sucking balls, right, yep. and we got to move the payload, I'm like, fuck it, I'm going to be the sniper, I'm going to get behind the payload, and as it's moving forward, I'm going to snipe. I'm going to do that. As as the Team Fortress sniper, and I have won so many games <laughs> doing that. I can you can lead a team as a Team Fortress sniper. With Widowmaker, you can't do that. She's too squishy. She's her, too. Like, she she yeah, dies rifle, too easy. Her carbine doesn't do anything either, really, for damage. As far as I'm concerned. Yeah, her like her, she her sniper has a fully automatic mode. Uh, you know when you shoot it normally without scoping, and. While it does damage, you got to be close. It's not like the it's not like the Team Fortress sniper, where you know that gun actually does a decent amount of damage at mid range. The Widowmaker, no, like you would have to be close to her for that gun to gun to do a decent amount of damage, and that's even if even. Yeah, there are way too many times when you know I was like, all right, I need to push here. We're at that crucial moment, or you know, like if somebody like a Farah just got up in my face, or you know, it's like, and I'm sitting there, I'm avoiding all the rockets from that Farah. But that gun is just not doing it quick enough, and I have to push in even further and get in the melee range at that point and hope that can go and do it. Right. Yeah, so that, that's the thing. Like, she can't get in, in front of the group. She cannot lead. She cannot push for you. The best she can do is be, you know, get be behind or be behind everybody. And as you, as other players are fighting, she's either killing or she's just adding additional damage. That's what she does, and that's a big that's a big deal. Like in Team Fortress, you could probably if you're really good with the sniper, you could just take the sniper and you can lead your team to victory. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I don't believe I really don't believe Widowmaker can do that. Uh, now Widowmaker also has a grappling hook, which allows her to move around pretty quickly. Hookshot. Yeah, you want to call it the hook shot? Yes. 
Okay, we'll call it the hook shot, except we're not. We're going to call it the fucking grappling hook, because that's what it is. <laughs> okay. Oh, she has a grappling hook that allows her to get to high places and uh, other places that a lot of players just can't get to. I um, love this ability, not because it's a freaking hook shot, but as I have used this thing to... Uh, to fuck with people so much like you got a, a a genji or something like that or a reaper or something you know whatever else that wants to go and try to get to you when you're in those high places more often than not i'd be like i'd, I'd let a burst go with the carbine and then i would drop down off of whatever platform I'm on wait for the person to follow me then i'd hook shot right back up to the same place just to piss people off so much fun with this thing the only thing i didn't like about it was that the cooldown i felt was just a tad bit too long i think it needed like two seconds shaved off because that's like that's your main go-to, like get away from everybody as much as you can. Ability, as far as I was concerned. Yeah, and I think the the reason that the the count the uh, cooldown timer was long as long like that is because they don't want you just constantly using it and getting away. Well, you're not going to be Spider-Man or anything, but you know, <laughs> being able, you know, I think like is what is this? It's a 14 second cooldown. I think normally I'm like a 12 second. I think would be perfectly fine. Because that's going to be the difference between you surviving an engagement sometimes, you know, and not. I can agree with that. I mean, I think, you know, two seconds is fine. Uh, but, yeah, you don't want it to be too short because then people just be gripping all over the place. What I wish is that you could grip onto somebody. You know, mm. that would be awesome. Like, if you're in an engagement, if you're, like, fighting yeah. somebody toe-to-toe, that's a big surprise to grip on them and then, like, <laughs> come right to them. I actually yeah. did that one time. Like, I was fighting a... Uh, Oh man, I think I was fighting a Symmetra, and you know we're fighting. I'm using my gun; she's using hers, and I use the grappling hook on the wall behind her, mm-hmm. and I pull myself toward her, and I stop it right when I get to her face. And I just shoot the shit out of her real fast, and she dies because I was at point blank. Oh no! If there was a way to do that with a melee at the end, I might love this class even more than I already do. Yeah, like it was, it's it was pretty awesome. Uh, like it, I, that shit should have been play of the game. Yeah. You know, when we start having when we start having our regular Overwatch podcast, one of the first topics is I want to talk about fucking play of the game. Yeah, play of the game. I love play yeah. of the game. I'm, I got just a quick preview of what that's gonna sound like. I get tired of seeing play of the game, and all I see is a Torbjorn hammering the fucking uh, you know turret that he has. <laughs> I don't I think I've ever that. seen that. Oh, dude, I used to, I used to see that all the time. I see, I see stupid friggin' Diva more often than not getting the uh, play of the game. Yeah. Oh, Diva. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like with that move. I, uh-huh. But you know what? That actually died down a lit a, a lot in December hmm. uh, because a lot of people got used to that shit. Oh, you're hmm. you're just gonna fly in here. Let me move because you're probably gonna <laughs> destroy. You're probably gonna you know do your alt. So that yeah that uh. Yep. Line of sight is your friend in this game. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, that 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 went down. But I want to get back. I don't want to mm-hmm. get too far into that. Uh, Widowmaker. Another uh, one of her abilities is Venom Mine, and Venom Mine basically creates like a puff of gas. It puts a dot on a player, you know, and it can it can be helpful. Like if you Venom Mine somebody and then shoot them, the dot can help. Mm-hmm. I've, sa- I've 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 saved myself so many times. Like, cause somebody will come up next to me, come behind me. I drop it, it would go off. They're dotted while I'm shooting at them, and they die. Yep. You know. Now her special is Infrasight, 
which gives you <laughs> sight over like where everybody is on the map. Wall hacks. Yeah, it's basically a wall hack, which is funny. It's basically <laughs> a wall hack, and it uh, I don't know, it works out really, really well. Like sometimes that's clutch, dude. You know, sometimes it's like I'll walk around a corner and then just get beamed in the head by a Widowmaker. I'm like, how the fuck does she? I'm like, oh, then I watch the replay. It's like, okay, Infosite. <laughs> I was like, I was, I was, at first, I was going to give the player props. Like, they must be really good to catch me as soon as I come around a corner. No, it was Infosight. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, you, no props from me to you if you peg me, like, as soon as I come around a corner and you use Infosight, okay? You got to have those quick reactions, and then I'll give you the props. That you deserve. <laughs> but yeah, Widowmaker, for the longest time when I first started playing, that was my go-to, man. I, I really played with her for quite a long, for quite a while before I started moving on to other characters. I don't feel like being a team player, especially, you know, like if the team's just doing bad, I'll more often than not switch to that. Though the most fun I have while playing her is when I'm playing on a team with my friends, because then I know I don't have to worry about people getting back to me. And if they do, I know ahead of time that they're getting back there and I can deal with it. You know, I can throw down that Venom Mine. Or, you know, do what I got to do. But it that's my go-to class just for, you know, solo play as far as I'm concerned. Well, see, that's the thing. I, I play, I, I make sure I don't play her when the team is doing bad. Because, you, just like you said, people get back to you. It's a lot harder to play her when you have to worry about somebody coming up next to you. So, oh, for solo play. I try to listen huh? for sounds as much as I can of footsteps and stuff. Yeah. I'm paranoid yeah. when I play a sniper, man. <laughs> well, yeah, but the... Well, the thing about footsteps and things like that, you don't know if it's your team or if it's the other team. Not to mention, it's a noisy game, dude. Yep. It's a noisy game, so it's really hard to tell. I mean, I'll be honest with you, I'd rather go with a Junkrat or a uh, Soldier 76 when I'm by myself, to be honest. Or when the team is doing poorly. I can I can help push with those. Or I could just always do my, you know, McCree. That works, too. Yeah, you and fucking McCree. <laughs> right, right. Um, so let's move on. Let's talk about that other sniper, Hanzo. Now, Hanzo's story, I thought, was interesting. Hanzo is a member of the Shimada family. It's an old family of assassins. They Over time, they built this criminal empire. He was the oldest son. He was supposed to take over after his father when his father died. So, of course, from youth, he's trained for that, for responsibility, uh, strategy, tactics, leadership, and obviously bowmanship because that's the gun that he uses. He uses uh, uses a uh, a bow. Well, it's not a gun if it's a bow. Fuck me, right? Mm-hmm. But, um, <laughs> so you know, he his father finally dies and he takes over. But he has this brother, and his brother is kind of this playboy and is you know he's just living his life, fucking around, doing his thing. And I guess the elders of his clan, uh, you know, the criminal organization, are like, hey, you got to get your brother together. You know, he needs to get his shit together so he can help you. And Hanzo went to go, you know, he went to go talk to his brother. His brother's like, ah, you know, fuck you. Well, he doesn't say fuck you, but pretty much, you know, <laughs> that's what that was going on. And Hanzo gets mad, ends up killing his brother. And his actions actually drove him away from the clan because he felt so bad about it. So uh, now he, he wanders, you know, the planet just in honing his skills. The interesting thing about that, his brother is Genji. Mm-hmm. That's who his brother is, uh, and Gen- so obviously Genji didn't die. Genji was close to death, and Genji, you know, Overwatch brought Genji back, and originally we, uh, you know, actually 
oh, like I said, attackers were last week, but it's relevant. So I'll, I'll yep. talk about it now. So Genji, um, he hated his body. He hated what he became. And he actually uh, befriended, over time, befriended Zenyatta. And Zenyatta became his mentor. And Zenyatta is the one who taught Genji how to be one with himself. So it is actually uh, pretty interesting. I'm looking forward to getting to Zenyatta's story. Oh yeah, because uh, actually he uh, well I don't know I don't want to get too into it, but he became one of my favorite players to play. That's awesome. I, Mine it's too. like you know when you have those moments where you want to kick ass, but you also want to help. Yep. <laughs> that's what you. That's what you Dude, play. Zenyatta is my Zenyatta and McCree and Widowmaker were my three go tos. Yeah. See, I was flexible. I would play whoever I needed to play. That's why. Uh, Hanzo, I've played a bit with Hanzo as well. Now, Hanzo, like I said, he is a sniper, but he uses a bow. Uh-huh. It is not as... It doesn't have, not have the range that Widowmaker's gun has. Not to mention it does have... Well, it's not ballistic drop if it's a bow, but you know, it does have gravity. So, mm-hmm. there's a bit of an arc when he shoots his bow. Widowmaker, I would say definitely much better for long range. But Hanzo... When you have, there's a lot of maps, or not even just maps, but a lot of places in the game where you need a mid-range sniper. You need somebody who's mid-range and can pack a punch with a hit. You know, you, you, yep. you do need that, and that's where Hanzo's good for. Especially if you need to be able to move around. Especially, because one of Hanzo's, uh, Hanzo's uh, movement ability allows him to scale walls. So, mm-hmm. yeah, like, it's it's pretty awesome. Hanzo... Can can get around really fast, can get into position, shoot a bow, and then disappear. Like, how many times have I shot a bow at somebody, and then by, my, they're completely off my screen by the time I get the kill notification? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yep. You you definitely use predictive shooting with Hanzo, and uh, if players can do that, because I see a lot of players play bad with Hanzo, and I just th- I think they don't get the concept. Of Hanzo, because he's not hard to play, if you understand the concept. And he, he, I mean, also, I mean, him and Widowmaker combine almost to make the Team Fortress Sniper, because the Team Fortress Sniper, all that's how I learned how to shoot the bow in games like this. Hmm. I think next time we play, then we're gonna have to go in as a combo of these two. Then we're gonna have to try that out together. Yeah, it might that might work out? Because yeah, it's yeah, you know, that's you know that predictive shooting. Like, okay, well, you know the players are here. You know the player's head is going to be here. He's running up. They run at this speed. Fire now. That's kind of how mm-hmm. you, you you know you get those 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 headshots. Now uh, he has his bow. He has two special uh, arrows. One is the sonic arrow, which contains sonar. So when you shoot it. And it hits whatever it's going to hit. It releases like the sonar bubble and it shows the location of your enemies. The other is the scatter arrow, which the scatter arrow, arrow is supposed to fragment and bounce off the walls and hit multiple targets. Nobody uses it for that. Nope. Nobody uses it for that. Everybody uses the scatter arrow as a, like a mega powerful hit as in like a like a super punch like if somebody gets close to you you put the scatter arrow on you put it in his fucking chest that's McCree, what you do like yeah. McCree's, uh six shooter ability yes exactly like you put it in his chest that they, they die it is a one hit kill to the body if you can manage to get all of the fragments into one person uh but that's how people use it 
I don't know, sometimes, like, when I see it, I get mad when it gets used, and I'm like, it needs a fucking nerf, but other times, I'm just kind of <laughs> like, eh, okay, maybe because it could be deployed so fast. Like, you literally just hit the button, and then you don't even have to pull the bow back, just, you know, press the tra- tra- press the fire button, and it goes. And if you're that close range, you know, that that you know, it's like instant death, and I think that's part of the problem. I think... It doesn't need a charge time per se, but it's a reactionary th- ability, basically. Yeah, I think you should be able to. I think when you hit it, it should take a second or two for it to activate. Um, how about instead of maybe activating, is that all of those abilities you have to actually uh, sit there and knock all those arrows yourself? So it's like you know you're constantly just pulling an arrow, pulling an arrow, pulling an arrow out, and still have that high damage capability. Well, I think they're like, I mean, I guess that's fine. That's um, yeah, that's I think that that that's cool. But like, the reason they didn't they, they wouldn't do that is because if they might want to keep the original aspect of, you know, you see some enemies in in a, in a enclosed location and you fire this thing in there and it's gonna do some damage. Yep. I don't think it was ever meant to be the killing blow. I think it was meant to be a damage dealing ability. Yep. But not necessarily the killing blow. His regular arrow is supposed to be the killing blow. Mm-hmm. So that's that's why I, I don't think they would do that. I mean, I guess I wouldn't mind it. But then again, like I said, it's not that big of a deal. Sometimes I hate it. Sometimes I don't. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's kind of like, you know, I'll be honest with you. I suck at actually getting those off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To be honest with you. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a little challenging in that regard. Yeah, I suck at kind of getting those off, so... Maybe I just got to get used to it. There's a lot of things in this game where, you know, I'm playing it at first, and I'm like, ah, oh, this needs to change, that needs to change. But then I keep playing it, and I figure out how to get around it. And I'm like, okay, never mind, it's balanced. You just got to do this. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a lot of that in this game. That's why I'm just very impressed with how balanced it is. You're going to hear me say that a lot. <laughs> you know, hey, for the rest true. of the beta, folks. For the rest of the beta, you're going to hear me say that a lot. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so his... Uh, Special is Dragon. Was oh sorry, it's called Dragon Strike, and it basically creates this spirit dragon, and that's it's a large. Let's just call it a large circle, and this large circle goes through walls, and anything that the large circle touches yeah. gets damaged. Yeah, oh, yeah, that ability. I <laughs> I have mixed feelings about that ability. Well, the thing that sucks about it is just kind of like. You you hear it and you just don't know what to do. Like especially if you're behind the wall. Like where <laughs> is it coming from? Is it gonna come from the left? Is it gonna come from the right? Is it gonna come from you know? Too in late, front? you're dead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that's the thing. Like it really is all encompassing. I really don't die to it that much though, so it can't be that bad. Uh, yeah. There are plenty of times where you're just not expecting it, and you got to admit some of the Hanzos are actually pretty good with how they use it, because it'll go and it'll pop you right when you're in the middle of everything. Like you got to push you're doing or something like that, and it'll just come through and just wipe everybody out. I've I've seen some very skillful uses with it. I've seen other ones where I'm like, why did you shoot that thing all the way wide out in the open, man? You know. Yeah, yeah, I think it's. I, don't know, I I think it's fine for the most part, but yeah, it is a really surprising ability. <laughs> when you, uh-huh. you hear it, it's like, ah, oh, fuck. And you're just looking to kind of see where it's coming from. You know, you're looking for the red. You know, that, that, that's yep. it. So, but uh, yeah, Hanzo, another sniper. <laughs> like I said, Widowmaker and him combined to make the, the actual Team Fortress sniper. 
almost because even well, Hanzo's not as squishy as Widowmaker, but to, yeah, though the the Team Fortress Sniper just feels a bit more. Uh, even though in that game he's probably one of the squishiest. Yep. Next to the Scout, but in terms of like you know, he does feel a bit more. Uh, he has more dexterity than these two characters. Mm. Let's move on to Torbjorn. Uh, who he uh, he is one of the two stationary guns in, in the game. There's him and there's Bastion, and in the forums, like sometimes I would see, you know, people post make posts like, "Well, why would I use Torbjorn or Bastion or vice versa?" You know, just because they're probably better at one and the other. Like, what's the point mm-hmm. of using the other guy? And you know, there'll be conversations that go on. But a little bit about his backstory. So Torbjorn. What and I I need to get a, a I need to find out if it's pronounced Torbjorn or Torbjorn. Uh, typically I think it would be Bjorn. Yeah, so it's like Torbjorn. It Torbjorn. sounds the same when I say both of them. Right. <laughs> so so I guess it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but I just just for me, well, I, I only know, know because of Bjork. You know, B J O R K. So. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's exactly how I knew how to pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, that and there's this thing called Baby Bjorn. Baby Bjorn. Yeah. Oh, like the uh, oh yeah the, the 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 rap thing you can put a kid in. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's it. how that's <laughs> how I figured that part out. But um, <laughs> so Tor Bjorn, he was a well-known weapon developer, but he didn't want his weapons to be used by artificial intelligence. He had paranoia about having robotic intelligent uses weapons. And then there was this thing called the Omnic Crisis, which I believe that's why Overwatch was founded in the first place, uh, to deal with this this thing called the Ilias Omnic Crisis, which actually, that's what Zenyatta is. Zenyatta is, is uh, Om- Omnic. And the Omnic turned the Bastions, which the Bastions were a, uh, you know, they were, they were robots. They were robot sentries. And they turned the Bastions against the humans. So basically, Torbjorn's paranoia became true. Uh, except the fact that the Bastions, to my knowledge, were not his creation. So Torbjorn joins Overwatch and developed weapons to help them fight through the crisis, to beat the Omnic and to beat the, the Bastions. After Overwatch was dissolved, a lot of his inventions got stolen. And now he's dedicated himself to making sure that his weapons and inventions aren't used to hurt other people or hurt innocent people. Uh-huh. So his primary weapon, you know, just on his person, is the rivet gun. And the rivet gun, it can either shoot like a piece of, of, of molten lava or it shoots a projectile pretty long range. It's not, it's not a short range at all. And on top of that, it's actually... Um, it's not overpowered, but it is pretty powerful. Now, at short range, that same gun can shoot a like a like a shotgun. Scatter it has a shot. spread to it. It has, it has a scatter shot. So he's really and like I said, it's not overpowered, but it's really not light either. He's really not to be fucked with as a as a character. To be perfectly honest with you, um, but he's not built for for damage himself. Like, he, you, you wouldn't want to run into a fight with Torbjorn. Now, his second weapon is the Forge Hammer, which, for the most part, is built for building his turrets. But you can also use it as a melee weapon. Uh, his primary function that you find in the game is to build a turret. Now, it's just like Team Fortress, where 
you put the turret down, you hit it with the hammer, and it builds it up. You need to get scrap so that you can, you know, have enough metal to build it up to the third level. Every level the turret goes up, the stronger it becomes, the faster it shoots, and the more defense it has, the more health and defense it has. Uh, so to get scrap, you get that off of dead enemies, as you might have guessed. And he also drops armor packs that either he can pick up or other players can pick up, and they get like a boost in armor, which is which is pretty nice. To be perfectly honest with you, I had this one uh, Torbjorn that I started playing with toward the end. Like this, this guy he that was, that was his primary class. I would play Soldier Seventy Six. He'd armor me up. I'd just go out there and fuck shit up. <laughs> yeah, so on defense, <laughs> bad with a Soldier 76. Now, his primary ability is Molten Core, and Molten Core gives him a bunch of health and a bunch of shield, and it also gives him a bunch of scrap and makes him not only attack faster, but he builds fast. So if you use Molten Core and then you pop your turret, you can build your turret to level 3 in no time. I mean, I think you'll have it up, you'll have the turret up at level 3 before Molten Core hits halfway, like, finished. Now, can you, because I didn't play this class too, too much, I didn't get it to the to that ability, only because it wasn't really my play style. So, with that right there, can you pop Molten Core and go straight to level 3 with nothing? Yes, because you get a bunch of scrap. Mm. That's, that's basically, like, if you hear somebody pop Molten Core, but they're not around, they're building a turret. <laughs> <laughs> or at least they should be. They're, they should be building a turret, and you need to be careful, because when you get to wherever you're going to get, it's going to be level 3. So, Tur- uh, Torbjorn's turret is auto-tracking, which obviously is different from Bash and Bash, and the player actually has to control where it shoots, which, depending on what type of player you are, may be a good thing or a bad thing. With Torbjorn, like, anything that comes into his view, it's going gonna, it's gonna to fire it down, and it is powerful. It does not fuck around. The problem with Torbjorn's turret, though. While it is automated, its automation range is only about 40 meters. So if you're a character that can, that can sit outside of his range, you can just kill it. You can bombard it. Uh-huh. Uh, if you're a Widowmaker, the easiest way to deal with this is to kill Torbjorn first, then just pop his turret a few <laughs> times. If you're a Pharah, just sit outside the range, figure out what the range is, get in the air, and you can just fire down turrets. If a Torbjorn is standing there trying to heal his turret, he is going to die because of the fire of the missiles you're putting down on turrets. Or he's going to move, you're going to kill the turret. Junkrat, another one. You could just, you know, get, get Torbjorn to move, or he's going to die in vain because then the turret's going to die. So, that that's, that's, that's the thing. Like, this... Torbjorn, like I say, I compared him to the TF2 Engineer, but to be honest with you, there is, in Team Fortress, there's not as many ways to deal with the Engineer as there is in this game. No, not nearly as much. Yeah, I mean, as an Engineer, you could be completely self-sufficient in Team Fortress. You could put down a supply, and then next to the supply, you put down a turret. Now you have both healing and parts. And defense, too, because you can hide behind that if you need to. Exactly, and defense, because it is it is pretty easy to stand behind it. So even if a soldier comes up and is shooting at your turret, 
with every hit, first of all, a soldier has to keep, would either be have to have line of sight or keep jumping in order to hit it. So you get these little breaks in between. Not to mention a soldier cannot fire as fast as Farrah can. Right. In this game, Farrah just plops into the air, hovers there. By the time she starts to go back down, the turret's pretty much going to be dead. So Torbjorn players need to be, I'm not going to say careful, but vigilant. When you see a Farrah pop into the air, you shoot the shit. Even if you're not hitting her, you need to shoot at her. So, hey, hey, get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) that's what you need to do as a Torbjorn I think one of your main functions is not only keeping the the turret healed but moving around so like if you know you uh, you come into contact with a junk rat or maybe you see a Widowmaker in the distance you can scare them with your fire you know put some deterrence out there I mean because it's not you know you would think that it would sound easy to deal with a Torbjorn uh, based off of those factors, but I've seen several Torbjorns that, one, they position the turrets very, very well. That is so important, positioning your turret, just like in Team Fortress, where uh-huh. you position it has a lot to do with how it's going to survive. You know, but two, also being able to defend the turret and get people to not fire at the turret, or at least not fire consistently enough that they destroy it. So right. Torbjorn is very active, more active than the engineer in Team Fortress. And I, I really, really like that about Torbjorn. Like, it, you re- it really feels like you're active, like you are a utility character, and you're constantly doing something. Either I'm healing this fucking turret, or I'm <laughs> shooting at Farrah in the sky, I'm moving around, where's the scrap, why aren't you guys pushing the point, or why aren't you guys trying to get them out of here? It's, yeah, it's, it's really good. It's I, I really found it fun to play with uh, Torbjorn, but there's there's so many ways to deal with him and as a Torbjorn player you really have to I feel like you know, it's not a character that you can play without a good team behind you I would say absolutely I would say absolutely because you know in Team Fortress there are just some times where you, you just give the engineer enough time to get something down yep. and that was going to be it Yep. you know and that, that does not happen here that does not happen here now one thing I should make mention of is everything we're talking about here is not competitive play. We're going to get into competitive play later, but right now we're talking about everyday games that you play with regular people in pubs. Competitive play is a different beast. And the, the <laughs> balance is going to be a, di- a little different, so maybe I should have said that in the beginning. I just thought about that. Because in competitive play, it will be different. It will be different, and different strategies based on maps will, will, will come to be. So, uh, but let's move on from, you know, one stationary character to another. Let's talk about Bastion. Uh, Bastion, his story, like I said, the other, it, it connects with Torbjorn's because, you know, obviously Bastion was uh, part of a, a unit of machines. And those, those machines are actually supposed to be for peacekeeping. The Bastions were. They were kind of like the turrets. However, during the Omnic Crisis, the Bastion units were turned against their human creators. And after the conflict, they were pretty much all destroyed, except this one Bastion who was very badly damaged. And the Bastion just sat there for God knows how long, and eventually it reactivated. But when it reactivated, it, it wasn't missing its, progr- its uh, combat programming, but it wasn't. its combat programming wasn't necessarily present. So without the combat programming, Bastion, it was just a curious robot 
like Johnny Five. <laughs> it was it was just a, it was just a curious robot, and it wants to explore explore nature. That's why that bird shows up. Like when Bastion gets player of the game, that bird shows up because it's a nature loving robot. Now, when it perceives a threat, that is when it becomes dangerous. And according to its lore, Bastion has killed several humans since you know the the Omnic Crisis because it felt threatened, and it's. Tur- and it's uh, combat programming took over. So that's that's where Bastion comes from. So Bastion works in configurations. The first configuration is recon, where you're mobile and you have a submachine gun that is it's a medium range weapon, not a long range, but it, it does pack a punch at medium range. The second configuration, which is what you'll find him in most of the time, is the sentry configuration, in which he goes stationary, a shield gets put in front of him. And he he uses a Gatling gun, and it is it packs a hell of a punch. Yeah, it does. It packs a hell of a punch, uh, and so like you know, it's not uncommon to see Bastions get player of the game. But to be honest with you, in my opinion, Bastions they're good at defense, but they're only really good as a last line of defense. They're great in the last line, like if you. A bastion really needs to have a wall behind it. Uh-huh. If if somebody can get behind a bastion, which the way the maps are made, it's not that there's so many different pathways or, or different ways to get into a point that you, most of the time you really don't get. You, bastion can't shine until the, the last control objective. point, the final objective, where there is yep. nowhere else left to go. That that's the thing about bastion. So I I actually get a little concerned when I see somebody pick bastion from the jump. Like, ugh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, don't I mean, know. there's there's been a lot of times though because even hiding, you know, even having that wall behind you can also be a bit of a mixed bag, you know, because again, you've got those junk rats, you know, you've got the fairs and stuff like that, because all they got to do really is hit the, you know, the the wall behind you, and that's still going to do quite a bit. Well, absolutely. That's why you got to be careful because you can't put your back to the wall. You especially like you know what I would do is uh, there's that map in Africa where it ends at like I guess a theater. Uh huh. And that's a great place to be Bastion. I wouldn't put my back to the wall. I'd move up away from the wall so that if Farrah shot past me, it would hit the wall and it wouldn't do that much damage to me. If it did damage at all. But, you know, you still got to worry about a junk rat. You know, and then that's what I was talking about earlier. As Bastion, you have to be aware of where people are shooting at you from. Because if junk rats, like, you know, lobbing grenades at you, you have to move your, your shield in front of where the grenades are, so one, you stop them, and two, when they blow up, the shield absorbs it. So, yeah, Bastion, he has the same problems as Torbjorn, except uh, there is no... Uh, there's no effective range, I should say. So there is an effective range, because if you start shooting too far, uh, the, you're not really going to hit the enemy. But... Unlike, you know, Torbjorn, his turret just won't shoot if it's, if it's outside of 40 meters. Whereas with Bastion, if you see somebody at a distance, you can still put fire in their direction. And if you clip them a few times, they will die. So, uh, but Bastion also has a ability called self-repair, where he can just, he, can, he self-repairs. He basically fixes himself. However, during the repair process, he can't move, and he cannot uh, fire. And also, that switching between configurations is a problem. Like, yeah, if you're, yeah. If you're in if you're in sentry mode, 
and somebody's got your number, like if they're able to get some grenades behind you or something, or your shield's about to crack, if you try to come out of sentry mode, like it takes so long that they, they, they should be able to kill you if they have any skill. That's why it's it's not even if they have skill necessarily like that reconfigure time can just take all the time. It's that's why I said like in the beginning there it's an either all or nothing class I feel. Like you were saying last line of defense cuz you're you know you'll get some players that you know they'll get a couple of kills and then they'll move. They can play it kind of smart but more often than not if somebody gets behind you that's it you're done. Yeah, like that's 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 I think that's what keeps bound uh you know bashing honest that's what keeps them uh <laughs> uh, you know, it keeps him balanced. Now his special is basically he turns into a tank. That, that's basically it. And as much damage as his fucking gun does, oh my god, <laughs> the, the the tank is ridiculous. But it is a special. It is a special. When you hear that little whistle that he does, leave. oh god, what's the whistle sound like? A minute, I can't remember. I want to watch this real quick. Yeah, it's a just just leave. It's yeah, like, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you hear that, it's like, oh, we got to go. See you. It's yeah. been fun. Pretty much, dude. Oh, yeah. man. Now, oh, I, I will it. say the thing about the tank that even keeps the tank, you know, uh, balanced is the fact that the tank has no shield. So now when you go into tank mode, it does have, you know, he, he's not d- easy to kill, but he's easier than when he was in sentry mode. <laughs> yeah. So you can't, like, you know, that's another thing. If you're surrounded by enemies... And you're by yourself, you don't want to pop into tank mode because you'll get slaughtered. Yeah, you will. Yeah, that's the, you still have to be careful while using the super. And the way so, I look at it, either way, if you're not in sentry mode as Bastion, you're going to get slaughtered anyway. Because, again, that gun that he has in recon mode just does not work that well, I don't think. Yeah, it's really just there if you run into somebody while you're running to a location so you can get yep. into sentry mode. Yeah, but pretty much. The, the, the tank is devastating. I have gotten plenty player of the games based off of the tank. Oh, yeah, dude. I wish I really, I really wish I frapped some of those kills I got with set with tank mode on that thing. So freaking funny because you can hear, you could feel the rage coming off of people. Oh yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Uh, but yeah, Bastion, I think like a very balanced character. It, it really works out because you know at first you're kind of like, how am I supposed to get past this character? Like, when you see him there in Sentry mode with his back to a wall. And he's killing all of your friends. Well, not your <laughs> friends, because well, maybe your friends. If you and your friends collectively suck, then I can see how you guys would not be able to, you know, figure this scenario out. But that's why we're here to help. <laughs> so you, you know, with Bastion and the last line of defense, you got it. You got to get damage behind him. That's that's essentially, essentially what you got to do. But and that can not, even be kind of challenging sometimes too. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm I've, saying. I've I've gotten behind where I'm with McCree, you know, and it's like that one burst just doesn't fully kill him all the time. But I mean, for the most part, if somebody gets back there, you're done. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not necessarily going to be easy to do so. You know, you you know, you can leverage Pharaoh, Junkrat, Widowmaker. Well, if he's in Sentry mode, just Widowmaker will go find somebody else to kill. Uh, but you know you can also leverage fast characters like Genji or Soldier Seventy Six if you can get up next to him without really being detected. That's the key. Cause I've done that before too. Mm-hmm. But if he sees you, you're dead. Swiss cheese, <laughs> you're gone. Say hi to Elvis. That's, <laughs> that's pretty much what's gonna happen. Uh, so let's move on to the final defense character, which is May. Before I start. 
I like to say I fucking hate this character. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you hate Junkrat, I hate May, and I'll get into it. Now, May's backstory is that she was a scientist that had a specialty in climate change. There was, uh, you know, some climate changing going on in the lore, and her and a bunch of other scientists went to Antarctica, and they were trying to work on a solution. She creates this client manipulation, not client, but climate manipulation device however there was all there was like an event in antarctica and the watch point that she was at got cut off from the rest of the world so the scientists decided to put themselves in the cryostasis and wait for rescue rescue took a really really long time to the point that everybody died except may and when she came back overwatch was already dismantled so now she came into a future where overwatch doesn't exist and she continues her research now let me just talk. Let's let's talk about what she does, and why I and I'll, I'll get into <laughs> why I hate this character. Uh, May has a gun, the endothermic blaster. Its primary function is it, it sprays like frost, and it damages, slows, and ultimately freezes enemies in place. She also can use the blaster to shoot icicles, so that does damage. She has an ability called cryo freeze, which puts her in a thick block of ice. You cannot damage her while she's in this block of ice. While she's in the block of ice, she's also uh, being healed. Mm-hmm. She can do an ice wall, which generates a enormous wall of ice and it blocks away, basically, or it can uh, destroy a line of sight for you for uh, a little bit. And her ultimate is this thing called ability, where uh, Blizzard, sorry, where she drops this device. The device basically... Anything in within a certain race of device will slow down and get frozen while taking damage. And that, that range is pretty huge, too. Yes, and this is the problem I have with May. Out of all the characters, I think she is the most unbalanced. First of all, the distance on the blaster is far. Okay? And you gotta remember... While you're being hit with the blaster, you slow down. So all she has to do is hit you with the tip of the blaster. <laughs> and you're going to start slowing down, and that's going to enable her to get uh, to get closer and then ultimately freeze you. Now, that's annoying that she can freeze you. Like, that, that mechanic in general is, is annoying. The fact that while you're frozen, if she just keeps hitting you with the blaster, you continue to take damage from the blaster. I, I don't like that. I think that's I think that the uh that's too much for her mm. as a defensive character. I think with the endothermic blaster should be able to freeze you, right? Like with the with the freeze portion. And then if you want to do damage, you gotta switch over to shooting icicles. I don't think you should be taking damage while you're being frozen. I think I think it's just too much. I think it's too much. I didn't really. I okay. So when I came up against this player the first couple of times, I hadn't really looked at her or nothing like that. And I was going up against her with McCree. She uh, messed me up a few times until I just learned how to go and deal with her. So I mean, from that perspective, I don't play classes that really have to worry about her too much. But again, once the beta comes out and I really, you know, the beta comes out again and I try to push more into it, I may have to. But I mean, for the most part, I found that when I was actually using that, it was good against one player. Like, if I had multiple people that came up to me, more often than not, though, they were going to kill me before I could really do anything. Yeah, if you have multiple people. But and there's a lot of times you run into in one-on-one scenarios, and it's almost 
no matter who you pick, she probably has the advantage. Unless you're talking about, like, um, Reaper. Because Reaper, up close, is a beast. So Reaper could probably kill her just before she gets him. I haven't really run into that too much where I've actually seen that, to be honest. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, she, like, I, I think the the free the, the range of the frost needs to be reduced. And this is especially bad for tanks, because first of all, tanks already run slow, right? Uh-huh. The tanks are already slow. They get frozen. She does damage. They break out of the ice. They get frozen again because she can keep, she can back away so far from them, you know, and uh-huh. then they, by the time they get to her, unless you're talking diva, but even diva, unless you're right, like right up close to diva, it's kind of, the, the damage isn't guaranteed. Uh-huh. You know, now uh, to be honest, you know, may may she may not actually be dealing with tanks all that often because it's a time it would it would take a, a while, not a long time, you know, but it would take a while for her to kill a tank. Let's say from a hundred percent health. And with the but, diminishing returns on that, I'm not quite sure how it works because I don't know if they'd be able to be frozen the entire time. Well, or, not the entire know. time because they'll be able to break out, but then she could just refreeze them. That's what I'm saying with the diminishing returns. I wonder how long or how quickly there is a recharge on that, you know, internal cooldown of the freezing process. Right. That's. I think as soon as they come out of the ice, they can start. It can start again. Mm, I'm but not sure. Play- I have to look. That. I'd have to wait and see what that can do. Most players die with, with like during the first instance, though. Like if you're a, if you're like a, a regular player and not a tank, uh, she'll freeze you and then she'll just keep spraying you. And you'll die. I think, you know, if if the frost is going to do damage, it needs to be reduced. I think that for damage, her primary source of damage should be uh, the icicles. Mm-hmm. She, right, like, I, when I look at me, I don't think she should be a stand, like, a standalone character. You know, I don't think anybody on defense should be really be a standalone character. And she is kind of like a standalone character. She has the endothermic blaster which freezes, puts people in place, and does damage. When she's in trouble, she cryo-freezes. I think the amount of health she gets back from that needs to be reduced. Because what happens in a lot of cases, like, you'll be doing damage to her, right? She does cryo-freeze. She's in the ice. You just have to leave. Because what's going to happen is, if you stick around, she's going to pop out a cryo-freeze, and she is going to freeze you before you do enough damage to her to kill her. Because she just got healed. So I think the cryo freeze needs to be like the, the uh, she sh- either shouldn't get healed or she the the amount of healing should get reduced. Ice wall I don't mm. have a problem with. The ice wall the ice wall is funny because some people just don't figure to go around it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it didn't um, happen more often than not. People are just like, uh, you know, I'll see that pop up. I'm like, well, fuck it, not worth it. To stay here. Other times people just be like, oh shit, they get caught there and they just get wrecked. It's usually never worth it to stay there, by the way. Like, when, no. when you have an obstruction, or especially when, like, Maid does cryo freeze, I just leave. Because, oh, yeah. I, I just leave, because, remember, it's not necessarily a game about kills, it's a game about objectives, so. You know, so, instead, she just well. turns into useless the ice block? <laughs> yeah, she just turns into the ice block, but she's alive, and now she can go kill somebody else. Blizzard is another, like you, like, you said earlier, that device, that range is long on that thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, I think that's, that's partially a problem too, but it, it is an ultimate ability. 
So that's why I'm not too salty about it. <laughs> it is an ultimate ability. That one having, like, doing that, okay, I get that. That's an ultimate, you know? However, I think the endothermic blaster needs some tweaking, for sure. Especially against tanks. Uh, Especially against tanks. Because she has the advantage once she tags you with it. She's got to hit you with it just a little bit. You know, yeah, but again, though, more often than not, you know, the tank isn't going to be moving around by himself. And like I said, she's pretty squishy, too. That's true. That's right. You're right. Tanks usually don't move around by themselves. But if you're an attack class, all she has an advantage almost over any attack class. Just about. With the exception of Reaper, I think, because Reaper, like, while Reaper is being frozen, like, he can hit that, uh, his special and then, you know, become invulnerable. And that's how you deal with that. Actually, even in May's video, they show her freezing the shit out of Tracer. Uh, I don't know. I feel like if you're a Tracer, you shouldn't really be getting touched by her that much, but, uh... That's true. That's I mean, true. I've, I've, I've been able to, to wreck May more often than not with, uh, with McCree, so I don't think she's that OP. Maybe toning down the damage from it a little bit, but I when I was playing as the class, it was very I thought it was very niche. It had to be in the right place at the right time, and the abilities you could do I don't think it's that OP personally. Well, like I said, you haven't played as much as I have. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll learn to hate her when it comes back. I think when I'm playing in my classes, you know, my class or my team's getting wrecked anyway, you know, I hate another classes, so. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. But yeah, that's, um, that, that's all the defensive characters. You know, I, 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 I hate May, but at the same time, like, she, the game is still pretty balanced. Like, she doesn't ruin my time all the time. Now, when two people go May, I fucking hate those people. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, for the most part, it's it, the, the defense. I think the defensive classes are all pretty balanced. They all have their strengths and and, and weaknesses, and you know it's they're all pieces to the puzzle that has to work together. You know, mm-hmm. and that's that's one of the best parts about this game. But uh, yeah, this time it was defense. Last time it was attack. Next time we're gonna be talking about tanks. We're gonna finally we're gonna we're gonna get into tanks and talk about how they work, what's good about them, what's bad about them, you know, uh, you know what they're good for, what they're bad for in certain situations. Blizzard, they've just done an excellent job uh-huh. with this many characters, making sure everybody, it, pretty much everybody, is important or can, or can be used. So everybody has a utility. So what we're gonna talk about next time? That's the, the third part of our uh, four part series here. Just kind of hopping into to Overwatch podcasts, uh, based on releases. I think the Tank podcast will probably be coming out around the same time that Overwatch is finally coming back. Nice. So we'll see if, if I predict it right by that. So, but uh, thanks for listening. Uh, we also have we have additional podcasts that you can listen to that have been going on for some time. Uh, we have. In Orbit, which is our Destiny podcast, and that is every other Tuesday. There's two, there's two In Orbits a month. We have WoW Talk, which is our podcast dedicated to World of Warcraft, and that is also every other Tuesday. It switches with In Orbit, and uh, so obviously there's two of them a month. 
we have Double Tap, which is the first Monday of every month. And that is about the fighting game community and fighting games in general. Uh, there should be a new one up uh, for the month of January right now. Uh, we also have the MASHcast for now, but the MASHcast is going away. We're doing the final five episodes of the MASHcast. And the, the five-year anniversary of the MASHcast is on February 4th. We're going to do a uh, five-year anniversary show. And then the MASHcast is... Uh, that, that's it. It's going on permanent hiatus. We may bring it back eventually, but for now, we're, we've decided to focus on uh, some of our other podcasts, including this one, which uh, double not double tap. Sorry, Watchpoint <laughs> will be monthly at least at first when we when we went in February when we get episode one off the ground. It's because it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, we uh, we're gonna be doing uh, the first the official first episode of Watchpoint will be in February, the second week of February, I believe. So, but uh, that may change in the weeks coming. We'll see. Uh, all of our podcasts are available on iTunes. They are available on Stitcher Smart Radio. They're available on Overcast for iOS. They're available on SoundCloud, Player.fm, and Pocket Cast. You can also uh, catch the RSS feed directly if you have you know, some type of RSS radio that you prefer to use. So, uh, I'm on Twitter. My uh, Twitter handle is underscore jaw underscore Bond. I don't believe you use Twitter, correct? You I do not Twitter, no. Okay, that's because you're a loser. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, so um, Mash's Button is also on Twitter. You can follow us at twitter.com slash MTB site. Uh, you can follow us on facebook.com slash Mash Those Buttons and youtube.com slash Mash Those Buttons. And, I, you know, absolutely visit mashthosebuttons.com for updates and other podcasts just to, you know, find out what's going on with us. And as always, we thank you for listening. We'll catch you guys next time. Take it easy.